Welcome everyone to a surprise joint episode of Smart Habits for Translators and Speaking of Translation. I'm Veronica de Michelis. And I'm Madalena sanchez Zampalo. Yeah, welcome everybody. I'm Eve Baudet. And I'm Corinne McKay. Thanks for joining us for this episode where our podcasts come together once again. As some of you may know, after 13 years of pretty much monthly episodes, Eve and I pressed pause on speaking of translation, but our archives are all still there, and we're excited to come back from time to time with bonus episodes such as this one. Yeah, we feel pretty honored that you're joining us. Well, thanks for yes. dragging us out of Thank retirement. You. Yeah, <laughs> right out of retirement. <laughs> so in this episode, we'll be discussing a topic that many of us are faced with yet again this fall, as many of our favorite conferences are going virtual or hybrid. As we all get excited about the upcoming ATA annual conference, which is going to be a hybrid event this year, we thought it would be helpful to talk about what this means when you're attending an event like this. Yeah, as much as we look forward to returning to fully in-person events someday, <laughs> someday, who mm -hmm. knows when, unfortunately, we're not quite there yet um, because of the pandemic and because of travel restrictions. So a lot of our international friends, um, it's a little bit complicated. And hybrid conferences are not quite the same thing as in-person events or as a virtual event. And so we look forward to exchanging some thoughts on, and ideas about what they actually are. Yeah, so before we start, we thought we'd maybe give all of you guys a quick update on what's been going on with us. So to kick things off, I guess my biggest news is that I passed the exit exams for my master's in conference interpreting, which was my project for the pandemic school year, and I officially have my MCI degree now. So I'm still translating quite a bit, but also doing more interpreting and actively looking for interpreting work, which is a whole new thing. So um, Madalena, how about you? Well, I don't have quite that type of project. <laughs> um, that was pretty huge for a pandemic project. But yeah, congratulations on finishing. I'm sure that was a ton, oh, yeah. a ton of work. Oh, you. Um, so for me, um, by the time this episode airs, we'll be taking part in the Innovation in Translation Summit, which um, I know that you will be too, Corinne and, and, and Veronica too. And then also I'll be on a panel for Loke World. And I'll be teaching another iteration of LinkedIn for translators and interpreters for Corinne's company, Training for Translators, uh, starting this month, October 13th. And also, I'm clearly gearing up for the ATA conference, of which I'm the conference organizer again this year. Um, so beyond all that stuff, I'm still working on my translations and copywriting projects for my clients. And um, I'm working with some new coaching clients this, this fall as well, some colleagues who are working on, you know, different things related to their online presence, mostly their websites and LinkedIn profiles. So it's a lot, but um, fall is always my busiest time. So uh, I'm hoping to ride the wave for now and then take a rest maybe in November, December. <laughs> um, Eve, what's new with you? Yeah, in November, I'm going to be presenting, and they told me, I'm apparently I'm going to be giving a TED-style talk, a TED-talk, <laughs> a TED-style oh. talk for the Translation Industry Conference in Latin America, and I'll be doing that cool. um, remotely. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go to Argentina, where they're hosting it, and um, oh. that did I say that's in the beginning of November, so I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. And then otherwise, I just feel like I'm kind of plugging along, and as we get into the fall, I guess my other biggest news right now is that summer went super fast 
<laughs> and I took a break in July and I went to France for the month. And then we also did a two day stop in Iceland. And I really think that my family and I, we got this kind of window <laughs> where it was possible to do that. So it was very exciting from many standpoints that we were able to see friends and family. So that was kind of cool. But it was also exciting, maybe not good exciting <laughs> from the crazy international travel environment with COVID. Mm-hmm. So in the end, um, we had a really great time and we didn't get COVID. So I chalked that up to being a success. Yes. <laughs> and I'm mentioning it here too, because I think, especially in this kind of stressful time, we're still kind of going on, which we thought we would be out of this, you know, but we're still doing it two years later. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, I wanted to mention that to, you know, to encourage our listeners to make that kind of break happen for themselves, whether it be traveling or doing it some other way or taking a staycation or something. Um, mm. But, you know, focus on that so you can keep keep yourself fresh and move, move forward. So Veronica, how about you? Well, I wanted to say I have no major news to share, but I guess after listening to all of you, I do have some news. Um, I, like you, I traveled this summer. I spent 10 days in uh, Moscow, in Russia, with my daughter, visiting my family. So my mom, after not having seen her for almost three years, so that was amazing. Um, and then we took a family uh, trip uh, with my husband and, and both of our kids to um, the Oregon coast this summer. So it was really nice. But yes, um, traveling is stressful. Um, kind of very hard to get back to it, though very exciting as well. Um, other than that, um, other major news is that my kids are back at school. <laughs> so I uh, am getting used to... Um, sort of having more freedom and more time to work and not juggle uh, kids' school schoolwork um, and then being at home. So I've been busy with some fun uh, localization projects and still juggling paid work with um, my kids' uh, homework uh, and after-school activities, volunteering for ATA uh, and teaching. I am teaching a class um, again this semester and part of it was fully online, but we were just informed we're moving back into the classrooms, which will be interesting because oh. some students will be taking that class I'm teaching remotely. So it will be kind of a hybrid situation as well uh, in the classroom. And uh, I'm also, um, yeah, it's a busy conference season this fall. Um, yeah. I spoke at, an, at the OSTI conference uh, with a colleague, Elena Brandt, on localization. And then and I recorded a panel discussion with uh, Marina Ilari for the Innovation and Translation Summit on being a parent and a freelancer. So that was fun. You have nothing going on in other no, words. No, nothing. nothing. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know why you said that. I feel like I feel like the, the slacker here. Can no. Really <laughs> no. So, yeah. Well, let's kick things off and share what we know and what we think will be different uh, when attending a hybrid conference versus a fully in-person one or a, fr- a fully virtual one. So my take on it is we all have a lot of experience attending in-person conferences already. And of course, now we have a lot of experience attending online conferences too. (laughs) So I think that putting these together, we can kind of pull from our past experiences of of both of those. So I, I do think that in today's environment, first, of course, is, you know, you, you, um, each of us has to decide for our own selves if we'll be attending in person or online depending on our own situation and our own comfort mm-hmm. level. And then, yeah, so I think that it's up to each individual person, you know, what, what kind of um, 
risks the tolerance they have or you know or, or it might not even be risk tolerance it just may be like you know what 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 they feel most comfortable doing so um and even after COVID, i think there might be some hybrid events that continue um to be an option because sometimes you know even if COVID's not around people can't attend in person for various reasons and they still might want to participate so i think it's good to talk about this and um I would say that the word hybrid, you guys can tell me what you think, means that people will be attending online and in person. And I was thinking about that, thinking it's kind of analogous, like um, Veronica was mentioning her kids in school, it's kind of analogous to kids learning online and in person at the same time. So last year, my son attended online while a lot of other students attended in person. <laughs> and the teachers and the students were, you know, interacting with both, um, both audiences. So those who were online, those were who, those who were online were remote, but then they interacted with the other people online and they interacted with the other people who were in person. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that is kind of um, similar in that way. So I think that um, for the educational sessions, uh, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but the presenter will be presenting to both an in-person audience and an online audience. Um, so I'll kind of wait to talk about that a little bit. But And then also... Um, I also think, you know, you'll have to tell us, Madeline, what you think, but I think that some of the hybrid events, the in-person parts maybe be a little smaller than they have in the past. And I think there's pros and cons to that, though, mm -hmm. too, because sometimes smaller events are more intimate and there's benefits to doing that, too. You know, you can get to know your colleagues even better, that kind of thing. And then from a network networking perspective, um, I think that if they're in-person or online um, for networking, I don't know, you can tell us more about that too, Madalena, but it seems difficult to me to be able to design kind of networking in the sense of what networking mm -hmm. means, to have um, an event that's both in-person and online at the same time. So, and I'm interested if, if, if there's other people out there who've seen that done, but I'm thinking that, especially if you attend in person to a hybrid event, you have the choice, you can either do the online one still, um, if you like in the evening you're tired or whatever or me you just love the online networking events because they're always so fun <laughs> um, and you can also attend the ones in person so um, like I said last year I really enjoyed some of the um, ATA online networking events um, online ones so I want to I want to for sure even though I'm going to be going in person to the ATA conference I'm going to also plan to be attending some networking <laughs> events online cool so Madalena like I kind of mentioned um I'm super interested um, and specifically in what you have to say and the others too, because you are the planner, the official planner, if people don't know, for the um, the translators, the American Translators Conference. It's the 62nd conference that's coming up. So tell us what you have to say on that topic. Oh, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it is from a planning perspective. Honestly, it's like planning two conferences. Um, you know, the only thing that ends up being about the same is like the registration page, because <laughs> the rest of it really is you're thinking about um, the people who are watching from home or in their home office and people who are there in person. And mm -hmm. um, the only thing for us is that uh, we've now done both models separately and now we're doing them together. So like you said, the hybrid model, which is another new model for us, but I feel good about it. I mean, <laughs> um, the the vendor that we partner with told us, they said, you guys want to stream all of your sessions? <laughs> because it's kind of unheard of in the conference world. They said, no, most people just do like 20 sessions or something. They, they don't ever stream all of them. So we are, um, we're pioneers in something, right? <laughs> uh, so we are, yeah. So for at least for the upcoming American Translators Association annual conference, we are streaming and recording all 120 educational sessions plus uh, all of the um, 
training day sessions, which are the Wednesday before advanced uh, skills and training day, uh, except for one, because it's the one on certification. So that, you know, you have to actually do a practice test that doesn't quite work very well with streaming. Um, but yeah, so what you're saying is absolutely true. Uh, Eve, you've got to think about both audiences. Um, and, and the speakers also will have to think about that, right? Because they're going to have people watching uh, virtually and people watching in the room. So we will have moderators for all of the educational sessions, but also we um, are having to adapt uh, to have both options for an exhibit hall, right? So we have vendors who will be there in person and vendors who will be there online. And um, the ones in person also get the online um, option, of course, just like you said, if you're an attendee and you want to, you know, stay in your room one evening, but attend a virtual networking event, you can do that, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of uh, pros and cons. I think what you're saying about there probably being fewer people, especially in a year like this one, um, in person, I think that's actually maybe a good thing because then you get to see more of the people that are there because it usually it's just so many people, right? Um, so, and, and I know a lot of us have already talked to each other and said, oh yeah, you're going, it's gonna be nice to, to it's like a reunion of sorts that we didn't get to have last yeah, year. Yeah, having a little bit more focus maybe on individuals. Right, um, and so yeah, we really are thinking about the two different audiences and doing our best uh, for this conference to try to accommodate everybody, which is not an easy thing to do, but um, it's it's been an interesting experience and um, there's there are pros and cons to both completely, like you said, I mean, whichever way you attend. So, um, yeah. Uh, Corinne, what do you think? So I would say most importantly, I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more hybrid conferences, no matter where the COVID situation heads. Mm -hmm. So I think whether we love or hate that model, we need to sort of make our peace with it because I personally think it's here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I think is different is we need to sort of prepare ourselves for the pluses and minuses of the method in which we choose to attend. Because it's sort of like when you go out to dinner with a bunch of people and you order and you're happy with what you ordered and then the person next to you orders something and you're like, oh, I should have gotten that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That I think with a conference that's all in person or all virtual, either you go or you don't. But now mm -hmm. we have this choice, should I go in person or should I attend online? So I think if you go to the virtual conference, you know that you have the plus of it being less expensive, more flexible, mm -hmm. but you know that you're missing out on the in-person networking opportunities and that you're going to be like seeing pictures of your friends at social events while you are sitting home, but you have the potential of being able to go. I mean, I know like when my daughter was little and it was really difficult for me to travel, that would have been a real godsend to be yeah. able to attend a fully online conference so that I didn't have to arrange childcare for, you know, every hour that I was gone and my husband was working. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you're in person, I think you're going to get the whole experience, but you also have to accept that the conference itself will be somewhat adapted for the online audience and that there may be some constraints there. So here's an mm -hmm. example. The yoga studio that I go to has gone hybrid where the in-person classes are live streamed. So exactly like what a lot of conferences are doing these days. I think this is a plus because everyone gets to choose their own comfort level. 
But for example, there's a zone in the yoga classroom where the in-person attendees can't be because it blocks the camera angle to the instructor. And the Mm -hmm. instructors themselves are somewhat constrained because they can't walk around the room because then the online attendees can't see them. So I just think that whatever format you choose, you need to accept the assets and constraints And after the year and a half that all of us have had, I just think whatever format you choose, you need to be ready for overload. Online Mm -hmm. overload if you're virtual or in-person social overload if you're in person. (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah, that's completely, that's a great point because we're not used to this anymore. Right, exactly. I know, right. Veronica, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. It's really important to just um, understand and accept that it's not going to be the best of both worlds. It's going to be a compromise, whichever option you choose. Uh, it's it's a trade-off, if you will. And I, I agree with you, too, that virtual or hybrid events are here to stay because they make it easier for people to attend events that usually require travel or have high registration fees. So um, at virtual events, you'll likely see a more uh, diverse international audience, I guess, um, thinking both with regards to uh, networking with colleagues and finding potential clients. Um, but then social events will feel different at, at virtual events because you'll, you'll probably have a bigger audience virtually compared to like if you're in person, you can just meet a colleague for a chat over a cup of coffee or a drink. Um, and I think it'll be more important than ever to think about uh, what your conference goals are uh, when you choose a format, you know, risk tolerance aside. Um, this year in particular, if your goal is to meet more international clients and you're um, attending a typically U.S.-based event, um, I think many people from abroad still have difficulty traveling. Um, they may be on lockdown. They may not be able to comply with all the travel requirements or uh, think about family who, um, you know, they, they don't want to risk their health. So these people will probably participate virtually this year. So if that's the type of people you want to meet, you know, international uh, clients and colleagues, that's probably where you need to hang out as well. And uh, at in-person events, I think we'll need to consider everyone's, again, risk tolerance as far as handshakes, hugs, touching common surfaces, um, just hopping on the same elevator or, uh, you know, also um, recognizing requirements of the conference venue. And most people's agendas will be more full than ever, I think, as we all try to catch up with people we haven't seen in a long time and also try to attend um, in-person and virtual events that we find useful or interested in. Mm -hmm. So that's my take on that. Um, So um, let's talk about what smart habits for attending a regular conference still come in handy when preparing to attend a hybrid one. Um, I think, um, as I mentioned before, planning ahead will be very important. I remember when I attended my first ATA conference, I just jumped right in. (laughs) I didn't really look at the list of sessions and I was so excited to be there and I wanted to do it all, attend every session. And by lunchtime on day one, I was burnt out. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) I would say, especially if you're if you're going in person and also planning to participate in some virtual events, um, think about what the top two, like two or three things you want to learn are and who are the top, say, five people you want to meet and just schedule that first and think of everything else as a bonus. <laughs> 
um, I'm going to put the sessions I'm interested in in my calendar and then touch base with the people that I want to meet uh, and find out if they're attending in person or virtually and ask if they're available to meet, um, you know, either in person or virtually. I always like um, just looking at the list of registered attendees and speakers for inspiration, uh, just seeing if, if there's anyone I would love to say hi to. Um, as well as the list of companies and vendors. But this year, we need to take into account that everyone will pick the format that works best for them. And so if we want to meet these people, we need to find out where we can meet them and how. Um, and um, with keeping in mind the potential overwhelm, <laughs> whether like social overwhelm or uh, just being tired of staying in front of the screen all day if you're participating virtually. It'll be important to schedule breaks for yourself, physical breaks if you're in person, just uh, stepping out, going for a walk, taking a nap, whatever you need, and uh, screen breaks and movement breaks if you're attending virtually. And um, if um, you are attending in person, but also have the option of attending virtual events, um, I would say resist FOMO, fear of missing out. Like <laughs> I know I'm guilty of that. I want to attend all of the things, but I also know that um, if I have to attend a virtual event after a day of in-person learning and networking, I might not be the best version of myself. So I will be pacing myself. And finally, I think that the idea of a conference buddy will be helpful as well if you're attending virtually. Um, you could find a colleague who has similar goals and interests and offer to check in with each other to share notes and discuss how you like certain session, maybe set up a WhatsApp chat or a Zoom room where you can check in with each other and get a bit of that social aspect going that is missing when you're attending a virtual event. What about you, Eve? So yeah, I think that either way, whether it's a hybrid, online, or virtual, it's a super good time to review any print materials that you use, even if you are not coming in person, because the print materials too are the kind of the basis for all of our other materials or vice versa. So I think for me, I just use the conference time of the year that, you know, it's, it's a good idea to update things like business cards or any other marketing materials that you hand out, because I've had that before, little kind of bigger cards that I've handed out before that are marketing materials. So I think it's good just to schedule a time of the year that you make sure that you kind of review them and update them. And the conference time is a great time to do it, um, as long as you make sure you get it done in time. <laughs> so I just think um, it's a great time if you haven't done it already, take the opportunity to, to review. Um, there's always something that can be tweaked. So And then also, you know, whichever way you work, if you work electronic first or if you work print first, you know, then make sure you um, also adapt the other version. So electronic materials that you may already have, like your resume or maybe an official profile file and then also of course your website so and then as far as planning for this specific um, conference I'm I won't repeat all the stuff and I got some new ideas from Veronica too <laughs> but my my approach is similar to what she said I always look at the conference offerings in advance I used to love flipping through when we had a um, hard copy book that was so great and I'd be like taking out my my highlighter and you know my pencils and all that kind of thing but we don't have that anymore but it's we have a really wonderful for the ATA conference is a really wonderful searchable um, interface that you can use to search for events and um, and like you said who's attending and um, who's presenting and there's lots of different ways to search and or you can just look at the um, program day by day so I like to do that in advance um, and see what I'm going to do educational sessions events different things like that so 
And then, like you said, Veronica, I always try to plan um, meeting up for lunch or coffee or dinner or in between times. And sometimes you get booked up um, with different colleagues, you know, new people, um, maybe that I haven't met in person yet, but I've been corresponding with in some fashion. And then also I try to leave a few spots open um, so that I can meet up with people that I meet there, that maybe people I wasn't expecting to see that I already know or new people. So... Um, yeah, Madalena, how about you? These are great tips. Um, I'm going to take notes later on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I think the interesting thing about a hybrid conference is that because you know that not everybody's attending the same way, you do have to do a little bit of legwork beforehand anyway, which both of you have already mentioned, like checking in with people to see if you can meet up. But let's say they're not coming to the conference. Um, do you still want to take some time during the conference to meet up with them? Or do you want to do that outside of the conference dates and try to meet with people who are there if you're going in person or if you're all going, you know, everybody you would normally meet up with are going to be virtual. Maybe you form a little pod or something. <laughs> Can you tell we're in pandemic times? We're still talking about pods. <laughs> um, you know, like to, to, as Veronica said, sort of either spread out and watch different events and come back to each other and say, hey, what'd you think of that one? I went to this one at that time or something and then like report back. Um, that way you can say, oh yeah, I thought this was great. You would really like this. And then that person can make a note to watch the recording if there is one. And then speaking of recordings, I was thinking, you know, if you're attending a hybrid conference, mm-hmm. um, and of course we're using the one we're about to go to as like our example, but let's say you're going to a conference that's not recording all the sessions and you're actually attending in person, I think it would probably be better to try to attend the ones that maybe you want to see that won't be recorded if that's an option, if that's the case, so that later on you can definitely catch the ones you did want to see that are being recorded because sometimes that happens, you know, where um, I'll tell you from a planning perspective, it's extremely expensive to record all the sessions and stream them all. So I don't know that that's going to be a norm for most conference um, organizers or conference planners going forward. Um, But if you, if there are some that are not going to be streamed and you're there in person, I would probably prioritize those. Um, And then another thought that I had, um, because Eve was talking about the interface, um, which is digital uh, now, and especially this year, we are not printing books this year for the um, conference. So there's no conference app this year either, because we've got the two types of attendees. So we really will be using the conference website, which is different um, than the one where you register for our conference. But that is something to learn about beforehand is to become really um, familiar with that site so that you're not in the hallway like I have been in the past and like, wait, where am I going? What's the room? Um, And trying to find it really quickly. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. that's important. And then finally, um, whatever conference you're going to, hybrid, or otherwise, like if not, um, check the conference website for like frequently asked questions or what to expect. Because that is usually something that gets updated frequently. And it's also where you might get a lot of your questions answered if you've got any. So, um, you know, definitely check that out because there may be certain things that are, you know, maybe you're on the fence about attending in person and you're like, well, I don't know how they're going to handle this. You know, for example, like um, one of you said about... um, social distancing and, and, and um, you know, uh, proximity to, to people in general, like during events and stuff. So for example, for us this year, because we are still in a pandemic, we are mm-hmm. going to have like those colored wristbands, you know, so um, red, yellow, and green, depending on people's comfort level of people being close to them or shaking their hand mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So that's the type of thing that a lot of people are 
looking for? And so if you think you're not the only one with that question, go to the website and see if you can find some answers and uh, that might help you to make some decisions as well. Um, yeah, so that's what I, what I would share about that. Uh, Corinne, what are your thoughts on this? So I think as with basically everything in life over the past year and a half, <laughs> it's important to remain flexible um, mm-hmm. and be realistic that the chance that your conference will have to go all online is not zero, right? or the chance that you personally will be unable to go or will not want to go because of something COVID-related at the last minute, that is also not zero. Mm-hmm. So second, I think, um, as Veronica said, I think you need to look at your own goals for attending and make sure you fulfill those. Like, are you looking for professional development on a specific topic, making contact with agencies, making contact with direct clients? So for example, if one of my goals for this year's ATA conference is to learn more about interpreting and connect with interpreting clients, that goal stands whether I go virtually in person and I want to plan for that goal regardless of what um, method I choose for the conference rather than just winging it when I get there and thinking, well, I hope I get more work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. So shifting topics a little bit, um, Madalena and I had both the um, joy and pain of organizing the ATA annual conference. Um, I was conference organizer a few years back and Madalena is now. So with our insights into conference planning, we were both going to give a little input on what in-person and virtual attendees should keep in mind at a hybrid conference, like some do's, don'ts, and maybes. So I think my top tip would be capitalize on whatever format you are attending in. So when I was the conference organizer, one of the things that really saddened me was for us to put all of this work into organizing the conference, attendees block out the time, pay the money, and then every year I would run into people on the last day of the conference who told me that they had ended up working in their hotel room for most of the conference because of a project that they, you know, quote unquote, couldn't turn down. Yeah. And I think that's a big shame. It's so hard to take time off as a freelancer and any in-person conference is a big investment. So I think you should really prioritize, like we called it, the experience that you can't download while you're there, you know, interacting with people in real life. Mm-hmm. And same thing, I think if you are attending online, work every angle you can of the online experience. Follow up with the speakers whose presentations you really loved. Attend the online networking events. Don't just, you know, attend one session and be working on your other monitor and call it good. And um, on Madalena's behalf, since I am now retired from association volunteering, I will tell you the conference organizer always appreciates your constructive feedback. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Madalena, especially this year, has put, I think it would be safe to say, hundreds of hours into organizing this conference. And I think, as with all things in life, the majority of the time that people approach an organizer is because something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm guilty of that too, just in any experience in life. And so whatever conference you attend, telling the conference organizer, here's something specific that I really enjoyed about it, I think goes a long way. So Madalena, if you have the brain power 
if you can stand to think about it, tell us your thoughts on this topic. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the brain power wades as the week goes on. So, you know, we're about <laughs> middle of the week here. It's okay right. for now. Um, yeah, I think those are all really good points. But I think what we need to remember with hybrid conferences is that there will always be good things about in-person conferences and negative things about that. And then, you know, positive things about virtual and negative things, no matter which one you really prefer, because we all prefer one or the other, typically, right? Very few people are like, eh, I don't really care much either way, you know, most people do have um, a preference. And so I would say, like you're saying, Corinne, like, if you have a preference, and you turns out that you can't go with what you would prefer to do, because I've talked to several people this year who are like, I would love to go in person, but for this reason, I just can't. And so they're really happy that there's that virtual model, right? That they can still attend, even though they can't physically be there. And in the past, like you said, that was not an option. You just um, be like, sick kid, I can't yeah, go. <laughs> exactly. You, you plan right. for this the whole year and then nope, you're, you know, you can't go. So I think yep. that, I mean, that's such an advantage now that we have um, in general. And, and like you said, just take advantage of whichever way you're planning to attend. And if you are there in person, you do have the luxury of having both versions available to you, really. I mean, everybody who's registered, at least for ours, that's the way it would work. In person, you have all of the virtual components as well at your fingertips. So, you know, if you do um, not pace yourself, like Veronica was saying, and you decide, you know, I'm really tired, you could still listen in to a session in your hotel room in the afternoon and kick your feet up with a cup of coffee or whatever. You know, you can actually do that. So that's a nice option. But remembering, too, that... Um, there are people who are attending both ways, whether they want to be attending the way that they are, you know, actually attending that year or not. And so I think it's important to be respectful too of the way that people have chosen to approach the conference for whatever year. Let's say it's not even in a pandemic, but like, let's say they just can't go for some reason. And, um, you know, they, they choose to do it from home and just really also follow up with your colleagues to say, how did you enjoy it? Did you see that session? You know, they still attended. They just weren't there in person. So I think there's that, like Veronica said, that fear of missing out. We can sort of bridge that gap with each other if we really want to um, make those connections with, with our colleagues. And so, um, yeah, definitely take advantage of whichever way you are planning to attend and uh, be respectful of the choices that people make. Um I would say from a planning perspective, it, it's true, Corinne, that um, you, what you mostly hear from people are the negative things. And most people who are happy just don't tend to, to comment or take the time to send an email. But um, if there is something you really did like, it is important to let the conference organizers know because then they'll repeat that, right? In another year, they'll, they'll know that something worked out. So if you don't say anything, they will not know. Um, and they may make a decision based on the something else like cost or something like that you know um so it's it's a constantly shifting thing especially right now we're seeing the technology is shifting very rapidly for virtual conferences so now with this hybrid model it's the same and i mean it can only get better i think so um definitely think about your plans before you go that's a do a don't would be <laughs> Uh, like Corinne said, don't don't miss out on things just because somebody sends you a, a nice shiny project and you're like, oh, this looks great, right? Try to give yourself, buy yourself a bit of time with that client. 
Um, and I guess some maybes. I don't know what some maybes would be, but um, I think one of the things to think about with any conference is um, when you finish that conference, what is it that you want to feel like you've walk- you're walking away with? And you may walk away with something different or something better or you know something you didn't think of. But like, do you want to walk away with more potential clients to contact as a as a follow up? Do you want to walk away? being more connected to your colleagues in your language pair or specialization, like then go to those things that where you will meet those people, like be really strategic about it. Um, and, and most people are very willing to, uh, to open, you know, their door to you, if you will. So I think that's, that's also important to think about. Um, so yeah, so now let's um, shift a little bit to um, talk about what we think speakers should be mindful of when they present in a hybrid format. Um, so if you have the opportunity to present in a hybrid format and you're presenting in person, um, but you've got, you know, let's say people watching virtually like what we're doing this, this fall, um, then I think what's really important is to remember that there are people on the other side of the screen who are listening and who are there and they're engaged. And so you can't forget about them. And that's something that I find uh, nobody does purposely, I don't think, but I can't even imagine all these teachers, for example, who had to have like the hybrid model of teaching and be able to engage with students in person and virtually. That's such a challenge for a speaker. So I guess this sort of goes back to the attendees is be patient with speakers, but also for speakers to be really mindful of the fact that you have people attending with different um, in different modes. And so just like, you know, people learn differently, you know, we have audio, audio learners, visual learners, and so on, you know, um, people absorb this information differently. So you may need to be a little bit more patient or you may come across the fact that somebody had a technical issue. Hopefully as a speaker, you don't have to deal with that, right? At least for our conference, that's the plan, that speakers don't need to deal with the tech stuff. But it may come up that there's something and that could be that the speaker becomes, um, you know, aware of a technical issue. And I think the important thing is to keep a level head and not get worked up about it. Um, it's, It's very easy to say, oh my gosh, there's a tech issue. I just need to stop and wait for them to fix it. You know, be patient about it. Um, and just remember that you're the one in command of the room, so you can still move the presentation along and trust that the tech people are doing their job. Um, and then also give people time to ask questions, both in person and virtually, whatever the attendees, wherever they're watching from, right? So give you, I would say give attendees sort of equal time of yours when they start asking their questions. Uh, Veronica, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think... Um... Speakers presenting in person, uh, knowing that they're presenting in, in a hybrid at a hybrid event, need to ask questions about the technical setup of the room so that they know exactly what kind of equipment they're working with, you know, camera, microphone, all that setup, um, and make friends with the, with the tech person. And um, if there's a moderator for your session who's like, helping with um with the q a coming from or like questions coming from um the virtual attendees um say hi to your moderator make friends with them too as you're working together as a team um it like you said madeline i really like that point if something if there's like a technical issue remain calm because i feel like if the speaker panics the audience starts to wonder if they should panic too like you know uh, yeah kind of it, it doesn't, happen. yeah 
Um, and then if you're an expressive speaker who likes um, getting up close and personal with attendees, keep in mind that everyone, well, the people who are actually present in a room, they might have different risk tolerance. Maybe some people are uncomfortable with that during the pandemic. You also have the virtual attendees. And one thing that they told teachers uh, at the college where I teach, uh, when, when we got training in um, uh, hybrid instruction <laughs> with students, both in person and virtually, is to make eye contact with the camera, uh, however weird that feels, so that the virtual students feel that you're looking at them as well. You're not just mm. always looking somewhere else. Um, so think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, also when it comes to questions, um, take questions both from virtual attendees and in-person attendees. Um, keep in mind that your virtual attendees also want to see and hear your material clearly. So think about your voice projection and any elements of your presentation that have like audiovisual um um, say graphics or, or videos, if you plan to share those, will v- virtual attendees be able to see them and hear them clearly? If you plan to um, ask questions or like poll the attendees, will everyone be able to participate on equal footing? And if not, maybe consider dropping it or um, uh, substitute them with something else. So I'd say imagine yourself as an attendee versus a virtual attendee and then as an in-person attendee and just make a list of all the things that come to mind if you were attending a session like this in person or virtually and ask the conference organizers and tech support people um, and, and get that information. Eve, what about you? Yeah, you guys had really great ideas. Some of the stuff I hadn't thought of. So thanks for sharing that. Like Madalena said, I'm going to be listening to this again and taking a lot of notes. <laughs> um, so first, I wanted to say that I think we need to be really also thankful to the speakers and presenters who are paving the way for this new way of interacting with audiences that are both online and in person. Mm-hmm. So I think that all all the tips we've said are great, and I think everybody will learn a lot. But I think we'll learn a lot, too, from seeing different speakers' styles and ideas, because I think that's a case anyway right when we see somebody just online or just in person different speakers have different styles and and you know and they can still be really great and so I think it'll be really fun actually to see how different speaker styles get adapted um, to leverage in a good positive way the hybrid model so I'm looking forward to that and then um, just like some of you guys um, said that I think that with this new model um, they need to really focus on their online audience and their in-person audience and kind of balance that and you guys gave some good ideas for that already and one thing that came to my mind and it'll depend kind of on the technology setup not not from this part of the streaming part but the technology of um, how speakers will be speaking into the microphone I was thinking about like will you know they'll have to decide will they need to stay at the, st- at the podium or will they have a microphone that allows them mm-hmm. to move around a little bit or you know that kind of thing so thinking about the technology from that point standpoint too um yeah and i know madalena mentioned and i um wanted to mention that too that um the ata conference will have moderators and i think that'll be really helpful for the speakers and it'll help them to balance out questions and different interaction between the two different audiences the online one and the in-person one and i think that um having those facilitators is super helpful to the speakers and that speakers should really keep in mind, um, you know, using that resource, not, not, you know, using that resource to um, like, let them focus on the questions that are coming in and read them or let them focus on some of the tech issues that come up. So, and another thing I thought of was just that, and I think you guys kind of mentioned it too, but just to emphasize um, that the speakers should really keep in mind 
the and this is funny coming from me I know because I speak so fast (laughs) (laughs) but the idea that um, you know they really need to keep clearly in their mind that they're speaking the literal speaking not presenting but I mean the actual speaking coming out of their mouth for an online audience as well as a live audience so kind of um, think about how how you know the speed and and um the um uh, how loud you're speaking that kind of thing and if you're speaking loud enough and then also um repeating questions or comments made by the live audience and vice versa so that everybody's participating and so the last idea i had was that i know probably um, maybe not all but many of the speakers who will be presenting have also presented for webinars or recorded presentations before so i'm sure again that individual speakers will have great ideas about how to combine what they've learned from those types of forums and apply those things to hybrid presenting so what do you think corinne yeah i think as a presenter this year i'm thinking of it as sort of back in the days of the audio recorded conferences, but more so. (laughs) So um, I think one thing that is going to be a bit, uh, I don't want to say constraining, but just something that we have to keep in mind is that if you're on camera, I think for most conferences, you are going to have to stand at the podium the whole time. I mean, I think it would be really pretty difficult to be moving around the room like Oprah style and, (laughs) and be able to be on camera. So I'm trying to sort of anticipate that. And I think that the main thing is just to think ahead of time about how you are going to handle these twin audiences. So to know ahead of time, also in terms of the technical setup, will the online attendees be allowed to submit questions? Do you as the presenter have to manage those questions or is there a moderator? Because I think, you know, all of us who present for webinars know the horror of realizing that you haven't been seeing the chat and that there's like 26 questions backed up (laughs) in the chat. And I mean, worse so when you have half of your audience in the room and half of your audience online. Um, And to clarify, if there's going to be a camera, are you physically on the camera or are only the slides on camera? Because I think we can see both of those at hybrid conferences that sometimes it's, you know, a camera that makes it look as if you're sitting in the room, but then sometimes it's just an image of the presenter slides that's being streamed from the computer. So I think the main thing as a presenter is make sure you understand the technical setup because like Madalena said, there really is no such thing as a standard (laughs) hybrid conference setup and it's evolving you know, very quickly. So to wrap up, um, I thought maybe we could look ahead and talk about what factors all of us are going to take into consideration when we plan, let's say, our 2022 conference attendance. So my thought would be, I know that we are all a bit burned out on all things online. Um, You know, I certainly needed a long break after spending all of last school year in online school. But at the same time, I think online and hybrid conferences offer a really incredible opportunity to get educational content from the conference without having to travel or pay for a hotel. And I want to point specifically to client-side conferences. All of us know that we should attend more client-side conferences, certainly for the learning opportunity, and especially if we're looking for direct clients, but what's our reason almost always for not going? Um, It's far away. It's an expensive plane ride. The registration itself is really expensive, and then I have to stay in a hotel, and I've already taken a bunch of time off work. 
Um, so I think I would say make this your year to attend at least one translation or interpreting related conference and a client side conference. So we all know that it's um, expensive and intimidating. So let's all do it this year. And one thing I said sort of tongue in cheek to one of my online course students, <laughs> but it's true is, you know, a lot of us are afraid of going to client-side conferences because we mm -hmm. think, you know, now I'm going to be in a room of patent attorneys or, you know, international clinical trials people. And, you know, there's going to be a conversation that's over my yeah. head or I'm going to feel awkward. Well, you know what, when you're online, it's so much easier. Like, log off, pretend to be having technical problems, you know, say, like, I'm having trouble hearing you. You know, it's, <laughs> and I think, I mean, we laugh, but I think that really is the struggle for a lot of us with client-side conferences, so capitalize on that. Um, so, Madalena, what are, you, what are you, you looking ahead to in 2022, other than not having to organize the ATA conference? That is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking there forward I said to it for next you. year. <laughs> Gosh, it is exactly what I'm looking forward to next year. No, but it's been an interesting and a fun experience. I mean, you know how it is. It's something that you have heard about if you've been on the board for a while from the previous planners, uh, organizers and, and presidents elect and, but you don't know what it is until you actually do it. <laughs> then you're like, ah, that's why they say that only so many sessions fit in this track, like at this time. Right. Such. I mean, yeah. and for the record, I know that <laughs> for the record, I loved um, being the conference organizer when I was in that role. And I was also ready to pass it on to someone new because I think also yeah, the good. new person always has different ideas. Like when, you know, Ted Wozniak was the conference organizer organizer after me, he came up with stuff um, that I never would have thought of. And the next conference organizer always is like, here's this thing that annoys me about the conference, so we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> and, as, and as the conference organizer, you have that power, but that's how things evolve. So that's what I yeah. mean by, you know, glad to not be organizing it anymore, is that I think it's interesting to see it evolve. I agree. And, and I think that it's fascinating to watch, not just how a person decides to organize differently, like that type of evolve, evolving and evolution, but also um, when something like what's happened last year and this year kind of takes some of the plans that you really wanted to to um, carry through and changes them. So you just, uh, you have appreciation for being flexible with some things. I'll, I'll put it out there that I'm really happy that I came up with the hashtags thing. I will say that <laughs> for each session. Um, I know that's not a new thing, but it was new to us. Yes. No, that's the kind of thing that I mean is that when you pass the conference on to someone new, they come, they not only improve on the existing stuff, but they come up with stuff that you never even would have thought of. Like the individual conference session hashtags. I never would have thought of that. I know. I've, I've noticed those too, Madalena. Thank you for doing that. And I do have to take credit for one thing that Corinne and I came up with. <laughs> which was a long time ago now, but we came up with the ATA and then the number, the hashtag ATA oh, 50. That. That's what we came up with. Yeah, ATA, you did. Yeah, 58, 62. Yeah, we so. carried that over. So no, but mm -hmm. each person. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was actually before Corinne was yeah. um, the planner. Oh. <laughs> Conference organizer. Yeah, well, yeah, and yeah. even stuff that, you know, at the time, see, you know, it's like when people say that when the Eiffel Tower was originally built for the World's Fair in Paris, the idea was to tear it down afterwards because everyone thought like, oh, it's such an eyesore. <laughs> Who would want to leave that there? We're okay. all in love with it now. Right. Think about the photo booth at the ATA conference. Those of us who have been going oh. long enough that we went before the photo booth and the first year, you know, there was a little bit like, really? Tr nerd introvert and translators in a photo and booth. And loved it. And now it's like, 
right go do the photo booth with me yeah Yeah, for sure um so besides that i'll be looking forward to also like you said some client side conferences and such um i've already actually had a a couple of people asked me to speak in 2022 for different online conferences. So I can see that those, of course, are going to continue to be a thing. And I think that that's interesting. So I think what's nice now is as we hopefully continue to inch our way out of this pandemic, um, I think that it's important to know that there probably will always from now on be more virtual options than in-person, but to prioritize what your in-person Um, conferences will be. If you really want to go to something where you're meeting direct clients, maybe that's the in-person event you go to that year that will cost you more. And then I don't know if I'm going to take Veronica's answer to this question, but I really like her idea of having a professional development budget in your business. And I think that a lot of people I heard this this year, 2021, uh, had an uptick in business. And so I think if you're if you've been putting money aside for your professional development, maybe take advantage of that um, and cash in a little bit next year in 2022 with the uptick in business that you've had and, and income and, and try to go to at least, you know, two in-person events or something or more virtual events, whatever is best for you. But I think, you know, do what you can with what you have and, and make the best great of it. Great idea. Um, what do you think, Eve? Yeah, I don't know. You guys are, have such great ideas that I'm not sure I can, of what, I mean, I can add some stuff, but I'm not, it's gonna, you guys had really great ideas. So I'm just going to from more, talk about it from more of a personal perspective. And I feel like I'm going to keep my eyes and ears open, you know, continuing from the COVID situation to monitor and decide things that I'm going to be attending, if especially if they're hybrid, or, you know, am I going to be attending in person? Am I going to be attending um, online and for now, like we talked about earlier, I'm personally comfortable attending, especially with the different um, aspects, the, the safety aspects that ATA and the hotel conference hotel are taking. I'm 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 personally um, comfortable attending in person, but I think you know, just as we know, COVID is here longer than we thought, <laughs> and so I think that it is something that we will continue, at least me personally, to continue to assess as things change or things you know go up and down or whatever. So. Um, yeah, and then just make a decision of if I want to attend different ones in person or online, or you know, or like you said, maybe I don't have maybe my budget. I want to spend it on something specifically different, so I may decide not to attend a specific conference conference either. So, and then um, yeah, so I have enjoyed the online conferences that I've attended, but I do really prefer in person, and so I'm going to try to like focus on that. I think, and um, yeah, I think we've seen too, like you know, with life in general and professionally, we certainly can do things remotely and be successful at doing that, but I just feel like especially after all this time when we've been separated it's just so great to see people in person and to make those connections that I'm going to focus on that and I hope that we will be able to do that more (laughs) in the coming years so um yeah so um that's that those are my thoughts so what about you Veronica well as a mom of two little kids I definitely look not only at my schedule but my husband's schedule and my kids school schedules when I plan to attend conferences oh yeah um (laughs) Especially if they're in person, when I travel, my husband has to take time off work to take care of the kids. So that limits how many in-person events I can attend uh, per year. So that's, um, you know, definitely affects my plans for next year. But I am and I'm loving the virtual option, even though, yes, the Zoom fatigue is real. Um, 
But also uh, when I'm attending a virtual event, depending on what um, day of the week it is, my family and my kids might be home. So I'll, I always need to plan how I will deal with any disturbances, distractions, and even just the feeling of guilt about being home but not really present with my family. Um, and for virtual events too, time difference a factor, um, no matter how ama amazing an event is, if it starts at the time when I have to drop off my kids at school or when my family is at the dinner table, I, it's, it's a, it's a hard sort of decision and I won't, I probably won't be able to attend those. Um, so for next year, I will be looking at what, um, my goals are, um, I think next year I'll prioritize localization events, um, and then just go from, um, you know, what I have in my professional development budget for next year, uh, what events I enjoyed attending this year, what events I have heard good things about from colleagues who work in the same specialization. So those will be my deciding factors. Very cool. Well, it looks like we're about out of time for this episode, but thanks for joining us in this special episode of Smart Habits for Translators and Speaking of Translation. It was really nice to talk to all of you about um, some smart habits for attending hybrid conferences. And I want to thank um, you, Eve and Corinne, again for coming out of your retirement so quickly to talk to us when we <laughs> asked you about this. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Yeah, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks for getting us out of our retirement to you guys. <laughs> and we hope that all of our listeners found these tips useful. Yeah, we would love to know what tips our listeners have for attending hybrid conferences. So please share those with us on social media. Make sure to tag us in your post or leave a comment under the show notes for this episode. You can find us at speakingoftranslation.com and smarthabitsfortranslators.com. And if you like our podcast, we would love it if you left us a review wherever you listen. Talk to you soon.